folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan. And in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G double E-S, emil.gorgis at tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so first off, let me apologize for the extended delay in publishing episodes. As mentioned, I've been away for about a week and then to top things off, came back with COVID too, uh, which I've then promptly given to Chikako and Ori, my partner and my son. So it was an exciting week at Casa del Nakajima again. Plenty of coughing, sneezing and other bodily fluids, which we're not gonna get into and so forth. And more importantly, my throat was in no condition to be recording and or speaking publicly in any way. But yes, all well now, I've tested negative twice, so I'm safe for public consumption again. And we're getting right back into the swing of things here at the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Today's episode is a recording of a call with a first-time property buyer with a rather minimalistic lifestyle and financial outlook. And we discuss a bunch of topics which should hold interest for many of you. We start off by talking about the very common and logical idea that holiday homes or family homes can also be investment properties. Understandable concept, but not the most efficient on both fronts. And we'll break down why that is exactly in the call. We then talk purchase criteria, location selection, financing versus cash purchases. And we also touch a little bit on portfolio diversification, the difference between investing in individual units as opposed to multi-units, small buildings, advantages, disadvantages of both. So a really good conversation that I think will bring value to many of you. Enjoy the chat and I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, so um, I've been reading through your intro email. You mentioned um, something about properties for renting. I just wasn't 100% clear if it was for renting yourselves or renting out as an investment. Yeah, sorry, Uh, investment. Uh, We don't plan to be in Japan for, if things go well, we don't expect to be there for the next five to 10 years. Um, But our hope is to return to Japan. And so one of the debates we're having now is, do we want we're making the mistake of conflating investment with personal. So we're thinking, do we want to buy something that we can rent out and then move back to? Um, I'm thinking that's probably not the wisest and just do some investments um, because ultimately we expect to be in Japan. And so wise to have something relatively close that we were responsible for. Um, But we certainly don't expect to be in Japan in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. 
Okay, so I mean, it's it's not a huge mistake. It is a pretty common mindset um, because I mean, a house does have intrinsic value, and then people think about it as something that might be worthwhile investment-wise. Um, but they're not the best hybrids. So the house you'll want to live in is not going to make the best investment property and vice versa. Usually you wouldn't want to live in the best investment properties kind of thing, right? And especially in Japan, because the, I mean, it'd be great if it changes, but the economic environment is basically not capital growth oriented. It's more of a cash flow market. So you really want to maximize your rental cash flow from the properties when you're renting them out, which is just not going to be the case if it's a family size, especially not a modern, comfortable family size property. Um, so we do occasionally see older houses that are um, rented out to families making good yields. So a family is a stable ten- tenant. They stay in place longer than singles or couples, and they um, they tend to take better care of the properties. But it is usually going to be a wooden home um, as opposed to investment properties, which can be individual mansion units like condo units. So maintenance is better, easier on the landlord. Um, Or if they're wooden structures, at least they're multi-unit wooden structures, which means you've got, you know, diversified income streams and they they generate a lot more in profit than a single tenant in a single wooden home. So they're not the best investments, um, but if you're buying a family-sized condo unit, for example, or if you, yeah. if the thing that you'll be purchasing for yourself is just something like a, a couple's condo unit, that could make potentially, that's just on the borderline of making a good investment. So there are some, um, some side cases. I think one of the reasons we also make that conflation is because Japan, and I could be exaggerating, neither of us, my wife or I, have ever owned property before, but... The impression is that reselling is difficult. Um, no, maybe, okay, because no. uh, what, 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 what we're worried about is being burdened with property that we don't want if we come back in, say, 10 years. That might be the case if you're purchasing your dream home out in the countryside that only appeals to you. So in that scenario, okay. that's maybe an option. But if you're buying something in a reasonably active metropolitan center that's a reasonably good property and a reasonably good deal for any potential buyer... And Japan is a very fast market. If it's on the cheaper side, it'll go within weeks. If it's on the pricier side, maybe within a few months, but not more than that. Well, then let's work with that explanation. Let's work that it's more of an investment and that when we do finally come back, we can focus on what we want to live in then. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, yeah, so that would be our goal then. Um, Something that we think is, is relatively good cash flow. I mean, basically trying to figure out. We also, let me add, we're... I want to say we're irresponsible with money. And I don't mean that we're frivolous with it. We don't spend it wastefully, but we don't invest it well. We just kind of save it and put it in the bank. And so um, we're looking at options. And so housing, renting as being one of those to look for some some way to use our money wisely. Um, So that's another incentive for doing this. Um, And if if we eliminate the idea that we'll live in this place that we'll be purchasing in the next whatever time frame, um, then all of a sudden our options open up significantly and we look at it very objectively, right? There's no subjective factors. Like would we want to live the way to look at an investment? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll, we'll take that approach. And maybe even then I gave you regional areas that have been, were interested to us, but those were primarily because those are the areas that we want to live in. But yeah, um, we all of a sudden become more nationwide, I suppose, in our selection. We don't feel necessary to isolate ourselves. It's just that particularly with Kansai, we're very familiar with it. And so we're able to identify what are good regions, at least what we think are good regions. 
Um, yep. But again, I'll trust your judgment. Okay, so let me, do, I'm just scrolling down through your email again. So what was the only area, um, was the only area so that you I had mentioned Kansai from all the way from Kyoto to perhaps as far west as Akashi, and we like Fukuoka. But yep. like I just said, we were confusing that with these would be areas that we'd want to return to. Well, they're not um, bad areas, though. I mean, they're good areas for investment as well. Um, I'd maybe rule out super central Osaka because yields would be very low there. Okay. Um, but otherwise, if you can get into suburban Osaka or Kobe and definitely Fukuoka City um, or Itoshima, a little bit to the west. I'm not familiar with those that. Are all, those are all very good areas um, that are... So Itoshima is like... Um, it's like a beach community that's about 20, 30 minutes by train from central Fukuoka. How close to Kyushu, you know, that's where Kyushu University is? Yes, so campus. Fukuoka yeah. City ends at the Kyushu Uni campus, and then beyond that, it yeah. becomes Itoshima. There's about 30 yeah. kilometers of, of beach community there, which is um, super popular in recent years. Uh, there's galleries and cafes, and people buy uh, gigantic holiday homes on the mountains that are millions of dollars. But the city itself and around it is still quite affordable. Okay, so that uh, I I maybe place that similar to the relationship between Osaka and Kobe. They're, they're both um, attractive okay. cities in their own right, right? So those are particular areas that I would definitely flag for investment if you could afford it. Yeah. Um, Fukuoka and Osaka, the closer you get to you center. Kyoto. You didn't mention Kyoto. Kyoto as well. Kyoto. Yeah, if you can get something there, there's a lot of places there. I mean. There are a lot of places in Kyoto that are very, very old and they're built in the old townhouse way, which means you're never going to be able to rebuild them in the future. Yeah, uh, we've lived there for eight years, so we're pretty familiar with that. We were very surprised, yeah. actually, the, the restrictions on that city in particular. Correct. But, so people tend to renovate them to kingdom come. It's a labor of love and they keep re restoring the old house in all kinds of creative ways. But again, maybe not the best investment unless you're planning to open a guest house or one. Okay. Um, but okay. if you look at suburban Kyoto, there are quite a few attractive little apartment buildings and houses type neighborhoods where you could occasionally find a good deal. They're just not as plentiful as in the other cities. All right. And just because you're, you're based in Fukuoka, correct? Yeah, but we work all over the country. We work with third oh, parties. Yeah. Why I'm asking is just ambivalent. personally, though, you're very familiar with the Itoshima. Like I know, I know nothing about it. And I, you mentioning it, I suspect that you have professional context, which is even personally as well. You have a very good opinion of what area is good and what area is not as good. Yes, but if it's not Fukuoka, we work with agents who have the same um, clear idea in okay. other cities as well. And we do know, I mean, having done this for about a decade, we, we do know some good locations in other cities as well. All right. So I mean, and don't get me wrong. I love Fukuoka. I would happily help you purchase in Fukuoka, but don't limit yourself only to Fukuoka itself. Oh, not at all. No, yeah, not at all. And in fact, like like I just said, if we're looking at this from an investment perspective, we don't have to limit ourselves to just Fukuoka and Kansai, right? We, yeah. we could talk Tokyo. We could talk um, on the on the on the Japan Sea. All, all of a sudden, the whole country becomes an option. Okay, so then your budget step. would be the next major criteria because yeah. obviously. Tokyo might not be accessible or central Osaka might not be accessible. And also I need to know if you're doing cash finance or half and half or what's the plan there? So this is a situation and, and, and something, again, I want to consult to you about. Um, we haven't sat down. We're at very, we've been talking about buying for well over a year, but it's just been basically almost like window shopping. You pass by a department store, you say, well, that would look nice but we never go any farther than that. So we've never actually yeah. sat down and talked about budget. Um, the situation now is that I mentioned we're overseas 
And we, we don't have any children and we're of an age where we're not going to have children. Um, and so we're able to have a single income family very easily. Uh, my income is more than enough for the two of us. Um, but my, so my employer, as I mentioned in email, is overseas. So that would disqualify me from earning a mortgage. But she continues to work for a Japanese company. And her salary is relatively well. Um, it's about between six and seven million, depending on the year. And yep. she has no costs in Japan now as a result of that. Right. So we're hoping that she'd be eligible for that to get a mortgage, even though she's residing overseas. She's keeping her residency, let me add. So she still has her insurance and she still has her my number and all that. Um, so I mentioned all that because we have we can easily put down a down payment of 10 million. Um, it could go higher if necessary, maybe doubled. We don't see the merit for putting that much of a down payment on any place, particularly because we don't plan to live there. I, I would argue that if we're making an investment, the down payment should be relatively low and you want to use the renters to pay for the mortgage. Um, so that's kind of the logic that's going in our mind. Um, and again, rather than telling you our goals, I mean, that gives you an idea of our finances. Yeah. But with that in mind, I'd be curious to hear what you think would be the best strategy and, and how we should go from there. Assuming that she is eligible for a mortgage. And I, we haven't investigated, but she, as I said, she's keeping her residency. So that should be an option. If she has a reg if she has residency and a regular stable income that goes back a few years from a Japanese employer or a Japanese business, yeah. um, then yes, she would most likely qualify. And um, when you say you're keep she's keeping her residence, is she actually actively registered um, with a Jumihio at City Hall? Like she actually has yes. an address certificate. Okay, so yeah. she should be eligible. And then the question becomes: If you're going to be using a lender, then each lender will have their own criteria. So before we even think about what might be the best idea for you, um, the first: Are you is your wife physically in Japan at any point? Uh, in the She's next... currently there now. She's currently okay. there now, but the plan is to spend minimal time there. Would she be able to just walk into the bank that she's been most regularly banking with um, and ask them what their uh, investment property investment criteria uh, are? Yeah. So that, yeah, that'll point us in problem. the right direction. Yeah. So that'll be one option. And then if for some reason they don't want to give her a loan or they provide her with criteria that's just not very um, attractive to us, then we can... Each listing agent and each property throughout Japan will have their own bank and lender contacts. So if and when you right. find a property that's attractive to you, then that particular agent can also apply on your behalf or put you in touch at least with the loan officer that they work with. And bigger agencies will might even have two or three of those so they can help you shop around a little bit. Um, and then we'll be going by whatever criteria we choose. Sorry, go ahead. Why would we not do that as a first step? Why would she go to the bank and we not rely on these lending companies? Is the cost because her higher? bank knows her. Um, once we oh. talk to a bank that you've never worked with before and you're a foreign couple and they might sniff into your residency situation and find out that you're actually physically not in the country at the moment. Okay. Um, if and when that becomes a thing, it'll be a bit more challenging. Whereas if you talk to your normal bank that... I mean, they know you, you know them, you've been working together for a while. They might, you might have had a chat with them about home loans in the past, or I don't know why. No, like, I mean, the, the extent of the, of the relationship with our banks is, you know, the company automatically deposits the money and, okay. and we withdraw, right? There's no more, okay. like, there's no more relationship with them. Well, it's not going to hurt. I mean, if she can keep a straight face and walk in and say that she's still living in Japan and she wants to um, 
you know, she's she's a resident at the moment and she wants to inquire about investment loans. At least it'll give us a rough idea. But we can always just go with a listing agent. Yes, that's fine. As like well. I said, legally, legally she is, right? Even yeah. if she is outside the country for 360 days of the year, she's paying all her Japanese taxes and, and yeah. uh, I'm not. Um, I have permanent residency, but I'm not. I, I, I uh, rescinded my, my resident. I became a non-resident. Yeah. Uh, but she is. So from a legal perspective, Unless okay. they're actually going to ask for a passport. She's got a Japanese employer. She's got a Japanese residency certificate, even if she's currently working overseas she's a for citizen. a few months. Sorry, yeah. let me clarify. She's also a citizen. Yeah, yeah no, of course. Yeah, I, I recognize it. But but they look more at residency than citizenship for loan purposes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's doable. Yeah. And then doable with the uh, listing agents, um, lender contacts as well. So both are all okay. an option. And then it depends on your budget. So Assuming she's going to get a loan, I'd say the most they'd let her borrow is probably um, seven times her annual salary. If you're saying she's got no right. um, no commitments, financial commitments here. Yep. And then the investment investment loan terms usually ask you to put down between 20 to 40% of the purchase price. That high, eh? 40% even. Yeah, I mean, forty. We say it's normally twenty to thirty, but because the official evaluation is what they base their lending amount on, and not okay. the market price, that might be slightly different sometimes. So, from a worst case perspective, it might be as bad as forty. Uh, usually, going to be twenty to thirty. So, if that, you're going to be putting high, down, sorry, I'm just curious. Is that high compared to like? I mean, I'm not familiar with how it works, but in the United States, of course, with the with the the the, the great recession that happened 13, 14 years ago, now it seemed like everybody could buy five to ten houses with no down payment. Is Japan a little bit more conservative in that regard? Or is that pretty typical? Yeah, and in Japan, also your borrowing capacity has nothing to do with the equity you've got in your assets. Your borrowing capacity is strictly limited to your monthly paycheck and to your monthly expenses. So. Unless you've paid off some of the, okay. the fact that you purchased a property and it might have appreciated will not give you extra equity to draw on in Japan, where that whereas it does in most other countries. Is that true? Okay. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. So it's always okay. based on your earning capacity. And the hundred percent full finance loans are still available for um, family homes, like uh, not an investment loan. The terms right. are also better there. And they're also available for people who are making say 15, 16 million yen a year and over. Um, otherwise, oh. it's uh, yeah, usually seventy to eighty percent financed. Okay. We interrupt this broadcast. I always wanted to say this. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now, the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really, the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, 
including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S, at tokyorealty.jp. Got it. So within that budget, if we're talking about, let's say 10 million being, um, let's say 10 million is the cash deposit. So let's call it conservatively, let's say it was 20%. So you've got another 40 million that you could utilize for a purchase right. that you'll hopefully be able to get from the bank. Yeah. Um, so a total of 50 million will get you a, I, I'd probably say the best thing to get with it would be a small multifamily uh, building. So say up to two, three floors. So there'd be multiple units inside of multiple, it? Multiple, yeah. Multiple single or couple sized units. Okay. Those would give you the best bang for your buck. And if you can diversify further, let's say the second floor has two family-sized units and the bottom floor has four single-sized units, the more diversity we can get in there, the better. Right. It just gives you access to different types of tenants and just different socioeconomic or different, at least, social profiles. Right. Um, that would be, I think, because it gives you, let's say it's going to have between four to 10 units. It's going to give you between four to 10 income streams. So if somebody moves out, you're still making a lot of money to pay for the loan and then some. Yep. Um, So I feel better than putting it into a single asset that also comes with a large land plot, but because it's got um, all of these doors in it, it gives you diversity, which you wouldn't get normally with a single asset. Okay. And location wise, um, any of the places we've already discussed, I'd also put in Yokohama City, Chiba City, um, maybe Sapporo if we can get the yield high enough there because the, the winters can be a bit rougher on maintenance and vacancies. So we want to see higher yields if we're going for Sapporo. Sorry. You said Yokohama and where else? Sapporo Yokohama, and... Chiba City. Chiba, okay. Saitama so City. Okay. Um, Kobe, we've already mentioned, um, yeah. Nagoya can offer some good deals. The tenants can be a bit more blue collar. So you'd occasionally have more tenant issues, but it's still Japan. It's not going to be like ghettos right. and crime, crime labs. Um, and then we've also got prefectural capitals and satellite cities. Um, you could get even better deals cash flow wise there, but then you're probably not having any capital appreciation potential or at least very little. Right. Um, so that could be... But what is, even in these major cities, is, is there a good chance of appreciation? And w- w- what angle would you recommend? I mean, my the reputation of Japan, I know Tokyo, Osaka prices are going up. I don't know at what rates. I haven't done any investigation. But my assumption is that one should assume appreciation is not that high. 
Yeah, just nice if it happens. It's definitely not something that we bank on. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's anyone's guess what's going to happen on a macroeconomic level, but Japan has a few issues to sort out before we can rely on stable growth here. So right. we're not we're not quite there yet. Um, but all of those locations, aside from the satellite and prefectural capitals that we haven't spoken about yet, all of those locations um, do stand to gain in value if and when the economy does well. Mm-hmm. If you go out to prefectural capitals and satellite cities, like places that are, say, up to an hour out of Tokyo, Osaka, Fukuoka, or places that are the biggest city in their area, but it's a pretty rural area, like, uh, again, Kumamoto or in Shikoku, uh, Takamatsu, and there's another big city there. So... They're the prominent city in their uh, respective areas, but they're not really prominent prominent areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so there I'd say there's no capital growth potential or close to zero, but the rental yields would be higher. So instead of 5%, you might get 6%. Instead of 6 you might get 7%. Um, okay. So if you're strictly cash flow, that might be the place to go. Okay. Um, if you're thinking long-term and you might have a bigger portfolio, I'd probably... I mean, depending on your risk appetite, I might allocate 70-80% of that to something safe and stable and then get a bit more cash flow oriented on the edges of your portfolio. So say 20-30% assets that are in smaller towns but gaining higher yields. Okay. That's that's definitely an option. I mean, we don't have to make it all in one investment. Exactly. Um, again, in, in this way, we're we're relying on your 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 experience. You know, we we are very inexperienced with investments. As I mentioned, we're irresponsible with money. We've never owned property before. Um, so we don't really have a clear strategy. And we're also, I'll add this, we're not the kind of people who read business books and looking at best ways to use your money, in part because, in my opinion, those books are mostly written for an American audience. And I don't think they extrapolate very well to Japan. So I'd rather depend on somebody who's got, as you mentioned, over a decade experience than me trying to do my own homework. Uh, it'll be our pleasure. It's what we do on a regular basis for uh, most of most of our customers. The the I don't know if you can still hear me, but the uh, sometimes you're breaking off. And if sorry, if, if I'm, that happened. was me. I forgot that I'm on a mobile connection and I disconnected the cable by mistake. I'm back. Okay. Okay. Excellent. All right. Um. Yeah, I'll, I'll be very forthcoming. I didn't. I didn't even consider the fact that we could budget for a multi-unit and have multiple multiple tenants um so right off the bat that's um that's got our mind thinking differently um but otherwise i don't really have any any specific questions i just kind of want to introduce our circumstances like you said the budget to give you an idea um we were not really thinking as high as 50 we didn't think we were quite eligible for that um and in even at 50 it didn't occur to me that we can buy a multi-unit uh complex um, maybe because we've spent all we she's she has spent all my whole time in Japan and her whole life had been in, in Osaka and Kyoto and so yeah. multi-unit complexes were well beyond 50 million I uh, just ran the number um, you're actually hovering at around 40 to 42 if she's got no other commitments okay um, which will again will buy you some properties definitely in Kumamoto Chiba and suburban Fukuoka um, okay. probably in Nagoya and potentially in Kobe as well. Tokyo and Osaka, probably not. Okay, that's fine. Um, yeah. Because again, we don't plan to be living in these places. It, it doesn't have, all that matters is whether or not they can be the cash flow. 
right? Yep. That from us, it's purely a business perspective, and and it doesn't matter um, if if we're do if we're buying a building, if we're buying property, or if we're buying antiques, you know, whatever the case is, we want to keep it. I suppose in the case that if it's a multi-unit, in that if in a, if in a situation where we need a residency, it would be nice to be in a town that we'd be content with. So that doesn't disqualify the prefectural capitals, but it would just be preferred to be near a station. And yep. I wonder if at that budget, it's affordable to be near a train station, because I'm going to assume that um, for many Japanese, I know, right? Like a lot of them prefer to be near a station and not near a station for whatever It's reason. definitely going to be near a station. We wouldn't advise, unless you're targeting family-sized properties, which come with their own parking spaces. Right. Um, normally for singles and couples, you'd want to be within walking distance to a station. Um, and how the, the, budget just, the, the budget just dictates how central or suburban the stations are going to be. That's all. Okay. 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 And when you say walking distance, are we talking 10, 15, or 20 minutes? How far? We'd say be? 10 minutes, unless if it happens to be the city's main transport hub, like if you're in Fukuoka and it's within 15 minutes to Hakata Station, or if you're within 15 minutes to Umeda Station in Osaka, then I'd say 15 minutes is okay, but otherwise 10. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's sounds... Even if uh, we're scrapping it, if it's a really nice deal sure. otherwise. Yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. So, okay. Excellent. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I have to be honest, I come unprepared with many other questions. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure what the next steps are. Like, we've, if we come to an agreement on the budget, um, and as I said, city-wise, we're very flexible. Although I will be honest, um, just for our own preference... We rarely travel to Eastern Japan. We prefer Western Japan. So I would imagine that rather than Chiba or Saitama, we'd prefer Kumamoto or Kagoshima, um, even if the sale value is not as high. But I say that, again, allowing our own personal preference to influence. And if you came to us and said, well, here's a fantastic deal in Chiba and you're just not going to do better, um, then... That wouldn't we we would not say well Chiba's not the kind of place we want to go to yeah um, so but all the cities that you mentioned were very open to I mean you didn't mention like you did not mention Okayama you did not mention Hiroshima I assume those are some of the prefectural cities that you would uh, include um, I think Okayama might be Hiroshima specifically I think population is a bit too much of a downward trend for my personal preferences but let me have okay. a quick look. I'm more asking just to get an idea of what kind of cities. And and I noticed you also didn't mention anything on the North Sea or on the, on the Japan Sea, like Kanazawa or places like that or Nagano. In most cases, it's again, it's the population that I'm concerned about. I prefer to purchase okay. into some place that's at least stable, if not growing. Got it. Um, yeah, Hiroshima is okay. It's kind of stagnant, but it's okay. We can definitely look at it. It's gone up 0.6% in the last five years. So... Again, I wouldn't I call that no growth. Question. It's probably going to reverse in the next few uh, censuses, but it's still not bad. And what was okay. the other one you mentioned? Okayama? Uh, Kanazawa, Okayama, I mentioned. Okayama City, same kind of thing, 0.7 something percent growth in five yeah. years. So they're okay. I, I definitely wouldn't rule them out. We haven't seen too many deals come out of there, but we're happy to look at them. Uh I mean, if you're if you don't have a, a lot of context, rather focus on the contacts you have in the places that you're you're well versed in. I, I'm not asking you to explore because again, we don't have. I'm not advocating for those cities. I just asked simply because yep. you didn't mention them. Yeah. West. I mean, between Fukuoka and and Kobe, 
those are the two biggest cities, I believe, right? Okay. Uh, and what's your, um, do you have any minimum yield requirements? I mean, some people, especially coming from the States where you can get four or 5%, some people don't want to go for anything less than six. Well, any kind of criteria there or? Uh, I wouldn't say there it is subjective, right? Higher is better, is it not? Um, yeah, I don't think we're generally so. I mean, I, unless it's dodgingly, suspiciously higher, but yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't, we not having, this will easily be the biggest investment that we've ever made. Um, and to give you uh, an idea, like the computer I'm working on speaking to you now is the, is the most expensive ownership that I have. Yeah. Um, so we're not people, we don't own cars along with never having a home and computers and bicycles, I guess, are our biggest investments. And it's not an yeah. exaggeration to say the biggest purchase we make every year is a plane ticket back home. So there will be a little bit of nervousness in that regard. So if the yield comes out to something around 4%, um, partially because of what I've read in, in the States, like I have a colleague here who's talking to me about 7 8%, and he wouldn't consider anything less than that in the States. Gross again, I know that's, that's gross. That's gross, I believe. Okay, okay. Yeah. But I know the U.S. and, and um, Japan are different markets. And also, I'm not clear when you talk about 4%, for example, is that gross or is that net? So what we put on our spreadsheets and stuff that you'll be receiving in communication from us, we refer to net before tax. So we take into account all of your purchase costs and all of the known running costs. So the property management fee, the building fees, the insurance, right. everything that comes into that. And then we get a figure that's net before tax. So it includes all of the purchase and running costs that we know about, but it doesn't include unknowns. So maintenance, vacancies, stuff that just happens. And it also doesn't include your annual taxes. So your property tax, which we're going to know closer to settlement on the property, and your annual income tax or corporate tax, whatever you have. Um, we don't know that, so we can't factor that in. So net pre-tax, uh, which is what we refer to, You'd get in Japan, if you're lucky, six and a bit, uh, usually somewhere between five to six is our sweet spot that we aim for in good, attractive locations. And again, prefectural capitals can go slightly higher than that. So maybe inching up to seven-ish. All right. I mean, one of the, the debates is now the markets are starting to struggle in the last few years, but we've lived in a fairly irregular time and that since the crash of 2008 the market has been going up consistently right and yeah. so the argument comes if it's only four percent and the markets are consistently doing five or six percent why would we invest in something that requires a lot more effort because there is there is volatility in terms of the markets you're referring out. to to equity to stock Overall, markets yeah stock markets sorry that's what i meant to say um, um I mean, I hear from a lot of people that it is possible to get higher returns there i have to say it's not my expertise so i can't really I can't really indicate, but if you've got an index fund that generates, you know, a kind of guaranteed five, six percent, then it's definitely something that you could go for. But I mean, the advantage of real estate is that it's insurable and it's it's considered usually one step over your fixed term deposits that you'd get in the bank, which is nothing because it it, you know, the inflation yeah. is usually more than that. So that's yeah. usually considered the next level up for safety and stability, not necessarily for um, dividends. So if you're looking for if you've got options that generate a, a guaranteed or, or at least a, a very regular five to six percent, then definitely diversify into those as well. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, I guess that's that's all on my end. So, what would be the next? What's the next step? 
Well, we're always happy to put in a couple of hours of free research just to give you an idea of what's available out there at your criteria. So we can start with that. So if you could email me with a summary of what we've discussed, the, the, the budget, the locations that you prefer, but not locked into, and then anything else that comes to mind, then we'll okay. provide some samples based on that. And when you want to pursue further, do due diligence on them, you want us to research more hours, you want us to start talking to agents and sellers, submitting offers and so forth, at that point we'll need to be engaged. So you need to have two documents signed and witnessed. Uh, right, and, right. Okay. Yeah. And we'll need our fee estimate paid in advance based on your budget. Okay. And then uh, post-settlement will credit or debit for the difference between what you uh, budgeted and what you ended up purchasing. Okay. Sounds very good. Yeah. That's basically Excellent. it. So um, if you can email me with those criteria that we've discussed just now, and I'll, yep. uh, I'll schedule in in the next couple of weeks to do some research for you, and we'll take it from there. Okay, excellent. Thank you very much, Sid. Looking forward to working with you. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. Bye. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. So as promised, good introductory session for anyone considering their first property purchase in the land of the rising sun. Hope you found some value in the conversation. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Yoroshiku.